You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered. But why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. Welcome to another um, Cyber Law and Business Report. This is Bennett Kelly talking to you live from... Um, Santa Monica, California, the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach. And we're going to go uh, from Silicon Beach to Silicon Valley and then over to Austin in today's show. Um, we're going to be talking um, with the um, – we're going to have a special segment on the South by Southwest. We have someone there in Austin who's going to give us the lowdown on what's going on there. And then we also have um, – we have with us Daniel Nazer, um, and he's going to be giving us an update on um, legislation to address patent trolls. And um, we're going to start off with that. Um, so um, Daniel, um, he's with the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. It's a great organization, by the way. They're at enf.org, and um, we, you know, they've been very good to this show. Um, we've had Corrine McSherry. On, and she talked about the um, six strikes um, setup that the ISPs are working out on copyright um, and um, illegal downloads that actually has just recently gone into effect. That, um, and we've also had um, Kurt Upsall, who's their senior staff attorney, and he's talked to us on a couple of times. And, um, and most recently had Jillian York. Um, she talked about the, uh, the, the awful video. Um, that was um, which led to demonstrations across the Middle East, and um, Jillian's been on the show a couple of times herself. So um, it's great to welcome another member of the family, Daniel. Tell me a little bit about the Shield Act, and uh, and why um, EFF supports it. So the Shield Act is a limited bill directed to a problem that exists with. Patent trolls and patent trolls are companies that just buy patents to sue productive companies. They don't actually make anything themselves. 
And uh, because it's so expensive to defend a patent lawsuit, it's become a very popular business model because once the patent troll sends out a letter or files a complaint in court, uh, the, the target is faced with a choice between spending millions of dollars to defend the case or to pay a settlement demand, which may be significant, um, but much lower. And uh, in a lot of these cases, the patent, it doesn't really matter if the patent is actually uh, any good or if the defendant actually infringes. The, the dynamic of the litigation system combined with the fact that patent trolls are essentially shell companies and they, they have no real risk to themselves means they can, they can use, that they can game the system. And so the SHIELD Act would require the patent troll to pay the defendant's fees if the patent troll ultimately lost, if it was shown that the defendant didn't infringe or the patent was invalid. So it would, um, I mean, basically the American model of jurisprudence is each party bears its own cost. So this mm -hmm. is more aligns with the English system. That's right. Well, it's a one-way fee-shifting act, um, similar to the way that one-way fee-shifting in the civil rights context is sort of designed to encourage people to bring civil rights suits. This is a one-way fee-shifting suit that's encouraged to make it less attractive for shell company trolls to bring patent patent suits. Uh, because the, these are this is litigation that's just exploding right now. It's actually increased about 10 times in the last decade. It's now used to be about 5% of all patent litigation was troll suits, and now it's about 61%. Wow. Um, I, you know, I recall I used to work at a, you know, a big Washington law firm and, um, that re had represented Fortune 500 companies, um, major oil companies, beer companies, you name it. And overnight, this one company that produced nothing <laughs> yep. be became their biggest um, client, one of their biggest clients. <laughs> it, it, it was just it was a you know it basically had a patent portfolio and uh, yep. enforced it through litigation. Yep, yep, and and unfortunately, the, a lot of people are cottoning on to what a lucrative business this is, and it it just it just grows and grows and grows. Um, it's uh, it's actually kind of frightening to think about how big it could get given given how fast it's growing. Um, but it's already the case where a lot of big technology companies are facing a hundred troll suits at one time, um, and uh, the um, a lot of the trolls are actually also going after small technology companies and startups, and that, that's probably where EFF's strongest interest is in that our community is made, uh, sort of our membership and our community is a lot of developers, a lot of smaller tinkerers, and the patent trolls have even started targeting quite small entities, knowing that these people are, are much uh, are not able to fight back. So it's it's kind of a similar concept to how the the anti-slap motions came about in California, because basically um, the large you know corporations were targeting some of the smaller environmental groups and saying, listen, if you don't um, if you don't fold on this issue. Um, we're going to sue you, and then you know they'll take about you know your three years of your budget um, just to defend this one one lawsuit. That's right. That's right. And um, I I think the analogy to anti-slap is good. I, I'm sure the people who 
advocate for trolls or patent assertion entities, as they're as they're called less uh, pejoratively, um, <laughs> would say trolls. That, that's right. Uh, they would say that the you know they they are the little guy and they're they're getting treat they would be being treated unfairly by by the Shield Act. But when when you it is true that these companies generally are little in that they don't have any assets other than patents. But that's uh, that's actually a really sort of sinister aspect of these businesses in that that they have nothing to lose in the discovery process. They have no documents to give up. So. Uh, yeah, I was just looking at some testimony that's going to come into Congress uh, this week from um, uh, victims of trolls who are saying that they were involved in a lawsuit where they had to produce 10 million documents, and the troll produced about uh, 800 documents. Wow. Uh, so, and the production of those 10 million documents, of course, cost millions of dollars. Naturally. That... Um, that's money that that this software company wasn't using to employ people to make products. Uh, it's all it's all dead weight loss. It's uh, it's a massive drag on the economy. Now you know you could make an argument, and actually I know, um, you know you have a lot of startups, and some of their ass the main asset is um, out of the patent that they developed, and you know eventually they grow on to be bigger successful companies. But I have a client. You know, who just recently got a a, a settlement in a, in a patent suit, um, mm-hmm. where, where they were trying to enforce their patent, and so you know, to, that would have altered the dynamic for for her firm, I think, if she had to go and um, you know know that she could bear the risk of uh, paying the other side's attorney's fees. Possibly, although the Shield Act is quite narrow in that it would not apply if you're actually practicing your invention. So it's really designed to hit just the pure shell company patent troll, the folks who buy patents to to launch lawsuits. So portfolio so, companies, basically, patent portfolio companies. Exactly. And um, now, any thought of, I mean, you don't really have the, I mean, we hear a lot of talk about copyright trolls. But usually, those are also the owners of the copyright. You don't really, you don't have copyright portfolios, except in one case where Right Haven, where even then they didn't do it right. Yeah, um, uh, that's true. The uh, copyright trolling, they're they're uh, some of them are similar in that they they're acquiring copyrights from from the original creators to 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 run a business and. They've done it under a variety of different schemes to various levels of success. Um, the the Right Haven case, uh, they fell fell apart because they they didn't truly. The original newspaper basically kept the copyright and just uh, <laughs> pretended to uh, to give the copyright to the uh, to the to the troll. Um, yeah, that, that minor issue of actually <laughs> having the right to sue, um, yeah, to be a problem for them, but. Um, now this I understand I've been following your blog and that um that there's been this overwhelming response so far to the act that from the web that yeah. it's pouring into Capitol Hill. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. What's the nature? Yeah. So it it's 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 interesting. I think um the the patent policy is really moving into into the mainstream and that, that when the uh, America Invents Act 
was passed in 2011. That was the culmination of years of battling, and it was very much a kind of behind-the-scenes tech companies on one side, pharmaceutical companies and on the other side, and lobbyists and sort of inside players. But with the explosion in troll lawsuits, the, so a lot, a lot of much smaller companies are getting hit. A lot more people are, are becoming aware of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a, we've seen a, a non-practicing entity um, target podcasters. So we've got lots of podcasters who are really mad about the issue. How does and, a podcaster violate a patent? Well, this is the thing in that the 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 trolls are increasingly targeting the end users. So. Oh. So they're 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 not they're not obviously you know if you have a podcaster like Mark Barron who I'm a big fan of, um, he he's he's not a technologist uh, he's a comedian and uh, but uh, he uses services and gets his podcast posted on on a, on a website that that uh, um, I don't know his particular details but I imagine other people manage for him but. Uh, um, uh, but the the trolls are, are target, targeting these folks down the chain. So uh, recently, uh, Patent Troll has been uh, contacting hotels and cafes for making Wi-Fi available. And so, you know, your corner cafe is not a technology company. They might have purchased a router from someone, but um, but technically, they're still providing Wi-Fi. So if you think you have a patent on Wi-Fi, you can you can sue them. Um, and it's extremely unfair because these folks don't have the means to fight back. Right. And they never would have thought that you know that they were in the in the technology business. Um, but uh, but they're much they're much softer targets than 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 the people up the chain than the chip companies or the router companies or whoever. But isn't there um, also a concept in um, you know because a patent right is a is a monopoly, but it's a legal monopoly. Mm-hmm. And that if you improperly use that um, right, you can have antitrust liability. I, I forget the name of the case that, that explains that doctrine. Mm-hmm. But yep. I mean, so which an antitrust liability has treble damages and you know other significant aspects. Um, has that been at all used at all against the trolls? Not yet. The, recently, um, in that case I was uh, mentioning earlier, where the a patent troll had gone after uh, hotels and cafes, right. Cisco and others intervened and um, uh, and did bring a, a civil RICO case um, uh, against the troll. That that just got um, dismissed. So. There is the the I think it's called the Noah Pennington immunity exactly. for for lawsuits, and so you, you you have a pretty high burden. You have to show that the lawsuit is a sham. Um, I think in some cases uh, that might be possible, and I, I, I where I think it is the FTC or the DOJ. Um, there may be some of the most egregious troll cases, um, uh, an opportunity for them to look into it, but. Uh, unfortunately, the the basic model, the basic business model, is um, is kosher. It's a it's a it's a bug in the system that that patent trolls are essentially exploiting. And um, what has the reception been to the Shield Act on Capitol Hill? Uh, 
We think it's been good. I, um, my colleague, uh, Julie Samuels, who is the Mark Cuban chair for the elimination of stupid patents, um, <laughs> uh, she has been out on the hill last week and um, she's had uh, sort of boots to the ground. Um, uh, and uh, so she's she's been uh, meeting with people in Congress and getting a lot of positive uh, feedback. I think there um, there is a sense that something something needs to be done. Folks aren't sure exactly what, but um, uh, we recently had President Obama in a Google Hangout. I think it was about two weeks ago now. Um, mentioned that that more patent reform was needed and specifically talked about how patent trolls were, were extorting money out of productive companies. So so there's real there is there is interest in the issue out there. Um, so I mean obviously you make a, a very strong case. Um you know, you have um you know, Representative DeFazio and Chavitz um pushing for this. Who's on the other side and, and you know, who's your biggest um who's the Goliath that, that they the other side has? So um that's a that's a good question. I, I I'm I'm not sure where where the opposition would or might come from in in the political process. Uh, certainly, folks who whose businesses to monetize patents are are not happy about this. Right. And, um, I their, the trial lawyers, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it really comes from from the people who are making money. The opposition comes from the people who are making the money and not really adding anything to a value to the economy. Um, so it's the lawyers and, and the patent trolls. Um, I think one thing I would, I would really add in just talking about patent trolling generally is overwhelmingly these cases involve inadvertent infringement. There's no allegation of copying. The, these are, these are vault, vague, almost always software patents. And they're they're usually asserted quite late in their life. Um, patent trolls assert patents much. Um, empirical research has shown they tend to assert them much later in the in the patent term. What, why is that? Because they're waiting for other people to do the work. They're waiting for other people to actually develop the technology. It's a lot. As as you may know, you don't have to actually have a working model to get a patent. You just have to. You have to sort of have the the theory and enough information that in theory someone could build it and. The standard for that has, I think, been much too low at the patent office. And so people are getting patents on vague ideas. They're getting patents on wishes and plans. And uh, the companies that actually employ people and make products are the folks that are putting these plans into action. And uh, meanwhile, the troll sits on a patent for 10, 15 years and and jumps out in the last three or four years of the patent term and sues. And, and that... That is pretty much the business model. Um, it's, it doesn't add any value to the economy, but it's very lucrative for those that practice it. And more or less, it actually takes value from the economy because it discourages people from innovating. That's right. That's right. And in fact, research shows that the more you spend on R&D, the more likely you are to get sued for that infringement. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's a tax on actually actually doing business on actually creating things. And just to put it in context, I, I know having you know from practice that once you receive a patent lawsuit, basically, uh, and we would uh, we were told that is a hundred thousand dollar expense right there minimum. Oh yeah, boy, that would just be for the early stages, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and, and very early motion practice. And uh, so, um, well, at least. Um, 
you know, actually maybe it was, I forget whether it was a $100,000 expense or you won't sell it for less than 100000 Yeah, yeah, and, I um, think... Yeah, that was certainly my experience in practice as well. And so it's just, you know, it, it is a, an enormous expense and uh, and so it gives huge leverage. And then from what you're talking about, it seems to be um, leverage that can be exploited against um, you know, small businesses. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and it costs, um, uh, the, there's been a lot of uh, research recently on the cost of, of defending patent suits and even smaller cases for for amounts only in the sort of million dollar range end up costing over a million dollars to litigate so uh it's uh it's it's very hard to to economically defend even against a weak patent claim so if people want to learn more about um the shield act um where should they go well they can come to EFF's uh webpage we have um it's eff.org uh, we have quite a few posts at the moment on on the Shield Act and um, and some of the sort of history, recent history of the rise of patent trolling as as such a such a big business. Um, other places, uh, there's been a, quite a few good op-eds about it recently. Um, uh, we have a copy of the Act on our webpage. It's very short, uh, unusually for legislation. It's only four pages, so folks could read the Act themselves if they were extremely curious. Um, uh, and what would other good sources be? Let me think. Well, you have your blog actually has a bunch of articles about um, the Shield Act, including one that has a link to a bunch of explainers. Um, there's one that it's um, Shield Act. The Internet shows it's ready to smash patent trolls. Um, that Dave Mass wrote on March 1st, and um, it has links to explainers by the Daily Caller, Corporate Council, and PC World. Yep. Um, yep. So, it's a, a use. You can get some background there, and um, so um, and Adam Carolla of the the Man Show. Um, is he, is he mm-hmm. one of the? He is one of the people who were sued, right? That's right. A company. Uh, I don't think he's been named personally, but uh, a company associated with his um, with his podcast has been sued in the Eastern District of Texas, and of course that's the favorite place for patent trolls to sue. Well, so if so if you like juggies and trampolines then you would love the Shield Act then. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I uh I will confess I had never heard of Adam Carolla before. <laughs> before this lawsuit. He, he's actually um he has a a show here in Los Angeles um on the radio at night. It's uh um like like a dating or love advice show. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I really don't. I don't listen to him, but I just remember him from the Man Show days. Um, so, well, I want to thank you. I know you only have a little bit of time, but I want to thank you for spending time with us today. And 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 always um, thanks to EFF. You guys have been very cooperative with the show, and it's a great organization. Everyone should check out EFF.org. They do a lot of work in a variety of areas in the internet, and um, they, you know they they're sure they would appreciate your support as um, they've been very supportive of us over the years. I want to thank you again, and um, and please stay in touch. Let us know how this works out. Great. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Excellent. Did you ever watch The Man Show? No, no, uh, I'm not sure if it's... I've, I've been living in the United States since the late 90s, so it's probably, depending on how old it is. So, yeah. it, it would have been early 2000s, um, and yeah, <laughs> that's what um, 
Jimmy Kimmel came from. Jimmy Kimmel and Adam oh Kimmel. yeah, you know it's ringing a bell. I I didn't have I uh, uh, I only some of my time when I was a college and graduate school was that did I actually have a TV? Um, but uh, it, it is high culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that sense of Adam Carolla generally. So all right, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. <laughs> AimClear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding-edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. AimClear, this is how you sell with social. AimClear, this is how you sell with social. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital... The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Okay, we're here today with Tom Nora, and Tom is the CEO of Neoray. Um, Tom is a, tech, is a technology executive and advisor for over 25 years from working with startups to Fortune 100 companies. And he's a major player in the, the, um, the kind of thriving Silicon Beach startup scene. Actually, he hosts um, one of the more interesting uh, weekly gatherings, uh, a breakfast every week for startups and to discuss um, issues related to startups. So he's definitely a... Um, someone in touch with what's going on on the startup scene. And we're talking to him um, today when he is a little bit um, the, the eastern part of Los Angeles. In fact, it's far eastern. It's, it's Austin, Texas. He's at South by Southwest. And Tom, how are you doing? Good. Doing great. Um, so um, when did you get to Austin? Uh, last night in um and trying to stay as long as I can. I'm not sure how long I can stay, but there's so many amazing things going on here. You wouldn't believe it. Um, so how is, I mean, it seems every year South by Southwest, um, and you're at South by Southwest Interactive, right? Well, there's three of them. You know, South by Southwest started out as a music festival in, I think, like 1987 or something, 
and it was actually a New York festival that wanted to try this one time. So the roots have always been music, 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 music. And as you know, Austin is a big music town. There's right. you know, several hundred bars here, and everyone has live music every night. And then during South by Southwest, it's kind of like all that on steroids. And then they, they added a few years later a, a movie, a film festival, and then they added a few years later Interactive. So Interactive used to be this little tiny room, and now it's bigger than anything else it, South by Southwest. Oh, it's even bigger than music. Well, I think in terms of, yeah, people and money and all that, it's bigger now. But, you know, music is always a roots. Music is a part of everything. Like, there's music tech companies. There's actually a music accelerator here for startups that have anything to do with music that's going to happen wow. sometime next week. And so, you know, music and film. And so music, there's a lot of respect for music here. And it's interesting. I spoke at South by Southwest a couple of years ago with the um, CEO of Rubicon, um, and the way it was set up then was the interactive ended just as the music was starting. And I remember our last night in Austin, um, you know, you could see that the city just changed because all the music people were coming in, and there was just a different vibe, and the city really came alive. It's like okay, you know. You know, we'll let, let you tech dweebs go. We're going to start having a real party. And um, so I imagine it's, it must be interesting now that everyone's all, all kind of overlapping. Yeah, it's starting to mix more. Yeah, I, I first started coming in late 90s, and then I was actually the CEO of a music tech company in 2000 through 2002, uh, Media Unbound, and we were making like a Pandora-type product. And uh, we were on these panels, and... Yeah, it was kind of like that back then, too, where we were a software company, but we were in the music world, so we kind of bridged the two, and uh, that's the first time I ever saw Tank Williams III. And so you'll find that no matter what the, the discipline is, why people are there, they'll tell you what band they saw. You know, Interactive just announced that Dead Mouse is going to be the closing concert for the Interactive Festival. I don't know if you know. Do you know who Dead Mouse is? I'm afraid I don't. No, he's like one of the hottest uh, DJs right now in the world. You have to check him out. All and, right. You know, you know, Green Day is playing, and Rob Zombie, and Iggy Pop, and just everywhere you go, you see these posters, and so it's all about music. There, I stayed. Um, I stayed there once at the Hotel um, San Jose, and um, they had all these posters of all these like great kind of a lot of blues artists and um, kind of R and B artists who would stay there and. Um, and next door, there was like a restaurant that had music playing live all day. It's just music does is, is a big part of that city experience. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, it's there's a lot of more obscure bands and things like that. Like I mentioned, Hank Williams III, and I didn't know he existed, but you know, I'm a giant fan of Hank Williams III and grandson of Hank Williams and and hotels and things like that. And I think one of the reasons it happens like this is because. Austin only has one big giant festival every year. So it all gets kind of packed into this month of March. Uh, whereas like Silicon Valley and Los Angeles, you know, we have several a year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, that, for example, if Silicon Beach, if Santa Monica did this, if we had our own South by Silicon Beach or whatever we called it, I think <laughs> it would be pretty effective because then we could kind of put all this into one. And as you know, there's, there's a party every week in Silicon Beach. 
That is true. Yeah, we would call it West by West by something, dude. <laughs> so what? Yeah, what something what, with the word beach. What what is um what is, what has interested you so far um at South by Southwest? What 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 com- companies or um what trends are you seeing that um kind of catch your eye? Well, um, I'm always looking at it as far as I'm here to represent, you know, Neil Ray, number one. I have some meetings for Neil Ray, and that's going along well. That company's gaining momentum. And, um, you know, of course, to check things out and see if I can catch some music. Looks like I'm going to miss Green Day, which is a bummer. It's my favorite band in the world. But, um, like you said, there's, it's almost like being in Las Vegas where there'll be some little bar or lounge and you'll see some band that's incredible or uh, Nashville. But what's really interesting to me is in 2006 through like 2008, I came out here, and that's where uh, Foursquare launched. I don't know if you remember when Foursquare launched, but they figured what a place to launch. You know, we'll be right in the middle of this place with geolocation and venues, and, um, and it worked, obviously. And then another company called Gowalla knocked off Foursquare, and they launched it South by South the following year. So you see these giant trends in, in business or in, in the Internet business that happened because of South by Southwest. And I'm kind of in the e-payments world now, so I'm looking for that. The other thing that you used to see, or that I guess you still do, but you see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of startups everywhere. They have startup billets, and they have like 20 or 30 ways People on buses, uh, you see people with, that have rented like vans that have their startups, just like Sundance Film Festival used to be. And so a lot of people here, they're saying, man, this is incredible. Look at all the startups. But compared to Silicon Beach, um, it's not that big of a deal anymore to me because, as you know, Silicon Beach right now has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds or thousands of startups in Southern California. So it's almost like we have more there than they have here at this point. So we have more than a than a South by Southwest almost, which I'm sure we shouldn't say that. But uh, so that's what's really struck me is that is how powerful what's happening in LA is. You know, because usually you come to South by Southwest, you think there's nothing in the world like this. This is way bigger than anything. Uh, this is the first year I've come and didn't feel that way. Interesting. And um, you know it is uh, it, it's a huge uh, gathering, and um, you know, and although there are a lot of the same suspects that you see at some other um, um, conferences, but yeah, Austin does have its own flavor. So what? Um, and you talk about Neo Ray, and actually, I um, I saw your your uh, one of your your, your founders at um, the Silicon Beach event where they were doing the uh, the, the Harlem Shake. <laughs> and uh, which I guess everyone everyone has their own video, the Harlem Shake, and uh, we'll, we'll try to give you a link um, to the Silicon Beach one. But um, you know, so tell us. I heard about, that you participated in that Harlem Shake. Is that true? I did. You can barely see me, but I am in the back. I am not wearing any Fellini esque costume. I'm just me um, by myself. And, you didn't you know, get naked or anything in it. I didn't get naked, and I didn't wear like any strange animal thing or look like I was from Madonna's "Justify My Love" video. Um, and uh, but um, so, tell us about Neil Ray. It's, it's an interesting concept. So Neil Ray is a is a payment system for um, replacing the passwords and any other type of identifiers for 
either making a bank payment or for just access to like a website or Facebook or something like that. And so it, it's kind of a new way to do things using your cell phone, uh, using the camera on the cell phone, and facial recognition is part of it and um, geolocation. So there's a, a formula we have for eliminating the fraud and the, you know, forgetting your password or anything like that. So it's no passwords. That's really our focus. And it's uh, actually a company on its way over here from Italy where they have their own PayPal-type company called Metamel, and they're trying to move Metamel over here too. And we're um, building this system out right now, and we're finding that of all the different pieces, we thought facial recognition was the most interesting or you know, several other things. turns out the most interesting thing to people is this replace the password thing. Mm-hmm. So um, we've raised a little money. We're, we're very kind of a right in the sweet spot of what a Silicon Beach company is. Um, The other founder, um, Alessio Morrow, is also a software developer, so he kind of understands software architectures and things like that. And um, so, you know, that's NeoRay. We're about four or five months old and already starting to get some press, and uh, we just hired a PR firm, and we're about to do a big launch, and... So um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where two months ago I wasn't sure where it was going, and now I can also start to feel it pick up. And what's the what's the feedback you're getting from Silicon? I'm excuse me, from Papa Southwest. It's very different than Southern California. In in LA, people are more kind of um, distracted by the fact that it's advanced technology, which they don't see very much of. Whereas in Austin, that's not the case. Right. Um, here it's more e-payments. I think the whole mobile payments with your phone industry is very interesting to people. And, um, you know, I remember in Japan in 1999, I watched somebody buy a soda with their phone, and it came out of the machine, and I was shocked. And now that's kind of becoming mainstream. And so I'm having a meeting with a, a New York private equity firm when I'm here. That's one of them reasons I'm here, and um, they're in the process right now of investing in several e-payment startups. You know, that's their mode right now, and they're looking at ideas of having, you know, five or six different methods for being able to transact e-payments in case one doesn't work, then have all these backups. So there's a lot of investment and a lot of technology being put into e-payments, and it seems like the crowd here is kind of ahead of me in terms of understanding this, whereas, you know, most places are behind me. Interesting. And um, what, in terms of when you're looking at the, the companies that are kind of pitching there or have or getting a lot of attention there, um, are, there are they all across the board or are there, are there certain types of, you know, sectors that seem to really have the, the hot um, touch this, this season? Well, yeah, it's kind of, it's a lot like a film festival. I don't know if you've ever been to Sundance or something where... Just AFI. The, the big sponsored, you know, startups in this case, and they get the, the big banners and they're on the buses and they get, you know, lots of um, exposure. Then you have the mid-level. Then you have the small guys that are, you know, handing out postcards just standing on the corner. And so you have all those different levels which doesn't necessarily determine who becomes the, the hottest thing. Um, so, you know, it's too early. I've only been here a day to really know. But, um, yeah, I'm already starting to see some 
stuff that's starting to you know, bubble up a little bit. And again, a big part of it is always music tech and you know, all these different types of. I didn't know they could have so many music tech companies in the world, but um, you know that's that's one of the hottest things that everybody's talking about right now. Uh, photo sharing. There's tons of photo sharing companies here. I've noticed. So Wait, where's the where's the revenue in photo sharing? I wonder. Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think for well, you know, one of the the models that I saw actually earlier today that is really interesting is people have this, especially teenagers. That's where the money is. Teenagers, teenagers have this this obsession with um, getting followers, like on Instagram and mm-hmm. you know. Twitter and things like that, but on you know Pinterest, and so it's a it's a badge of honor in a high school, I guess. Again, you can become go from being the nerdy kid to be the coolest kid because you have more followers than other people. So people are monetizing that. I saw another one this morning where their target is high school kids for monetizing followers, and it's kind of a point system, almost like they gamified it, where you can. Um, you know, develop this set of points and people get points for following you and you get points for following them. So it's kind of old school in terms of the the thought process, but um, they seem to really have a a lot of stuff, you know, happening here. I've seen their name um, and it's called something like Follow Vice or something. I can't remember the name of the company, but uh, so there's an example of, monetizing and getting buzz. And it's all about buzz here, I think. Well, that'd certainly be the case later in the evening, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, your Austin just happens to be the capital of Texas, and uh, not just just happens. I mean, I'm, that's no coincidence. But, um, you know, is, the, is Governor Perry making any presence or trying to you know, claim credit for the Austin tech community or... Um, he he, I, he wasn't there the, well, the last time I was there. Uh, he's, he's I have president. not heard that he's going to be involved. I wonder if yeah, there's a collision there. I no, haven't heard anything about him. Maybe there's too many long hairs for him. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think so. No, I think it's really... You're right, though. You can see the Capitol building from almost anywhere in town. So it's right there. When I, um, I figured you'd ask a question like that. Sorry about that. I uh, <laughs> when I was there it was interesting. I I stayed at the uh, there's a hotel on the UT campus um, run by AT and T that just opened, and I um, um my cab driver dropped dropped me off. First he on the on the ride he was he was narrating, give me a little tour. He showed me where the um. Um, the plane flew into the IRS building there, and um, wow. and then he um, we, he drops me off at the hotel, and he points towards the the, the famous tower on the UT campus where I had right. the, the sniper incident in the 1960s, and he said, you know, my brother and my daddy um, were right here with their shotguns shooting at the tower from where we where where we were parking. And uh, and I'm like, what? And apparently he said, yeah, um, basically once um, word got out of what was going on, the community responded and people just brought their shotguns 
and they all started shooting at the um, the tower. Of course, you know the tower it was, it was pretty far away, and um, they, they were up against a, a trained sniper. Um, so I don't know if any of them even came close. Um, definitely, it wasn't what killed them. But um, yeah, it was just I just imagine it gave a new feeling for what that day must have been like. I mean. Not only do you have a sniper shooting, but you have all these guys, um, you know, these crazy Texans, you know, firing with their shotguns. I imagine I would have stayed indoors that day. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how, you know, there's a lot of history here, right? And um, even, like, earlier today, I asked somebody, do you know why this town is called Austin? And they had no idea. So you it's funny how people just don't really get a lot of it. Wow. I mean, Sam Austin... And, uh, founder of the state right yeah yeah and it's you know just things like that are just all the you know the history and the power you know of of texas and all that and that's the other thing is you don't see it really called referred to as part of texas much and during this festival no there's that whole keep austin weird thing going on um i find that makes you know, yeah, because I think a lot of these places. Again, I keep referring to Sundance, but you know, part of the charm is that you're in this cute little place, and um, you know, there's in like this startup lounge. It has a whole uh, theme of I don't know. It looks almost like New York or something there. And man, play up the Texas stuff. You know, I was hoping for more of that. Well, I mean, um, just a short distance away, I mean, an hour drive, not even, um, is San Antonio. And uh, actually, with this, you know, as we, this is broadcast, it happens to be the, the anniversary of the fall of the Alamo. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Texas history right around you, but I, I often, it often gets overlooked. You know, UT has the Lyndon Johnson li- Presidential Library, and which is... Right. A, a fascinating place to go. I went, and I always—I'll never forget it. I mean, it was a—it um, was—it was in the old school version of presidential libraries, where you know, before you know when Kennedy's Johnson's library actually opened before Kennedy's did. Johnson opened um, in the like late sixties, just a short time before he died, and um, he. Um, you know, he has a photograph of, of signing the Civil Rights Act, and you can see Bobby Kennedy in the front row. Um, and you forget the Civil Rights Act of 64 was signed in, like, January 64, just a few months after the president had been shot. And, um, yeah. you know, Bobby looks like a ghost. He just, he just totally withdrawn. Um, <laughs> there's a note from Jackie the day after the assassination, you know, addressed to Mr. President. Um, thank you for everything. It's it's just a fascinating place, and then wow. plus all you know all the achievements of the Johnson administration, um, all in a very compact you know uh, you know area. Unlike you know the now the, the big multi million dollar museums we see now, but um, yeah, Austin's a fascinating city. There's a lot there to see. So what what are you hoping to um, do before you leave Austin? What's the what's kind of on your checklist? Well- one thing, yeah, I actually spent a lot of time out here in um, like the early 90s in my career. I was a sales manager for a semiconductor uh, tools company. And so I, you know, AMD and Motorola's um, CPU divisions are in Austin. And a lot of people in the industry have realized that's a big deal and they have thousands of people working here. And we always used to go to this place called the County Line for ribs. So that's one of my goals is to get out to the County Line 
and it's out on Lake Travis, so it's going to take some work. Uh, I want to see the bats. Do you know about the bats? No, I don't. Okay, so every night at the river, you know, the, the river that runs through the center of Austin is actually called Lake Austin, but it looks like a river. And every night at just exactly 6 o'clock, um, the bats are exactly at sundown, depending on what time of year it is. There's thousands and thousands of bats that live under this bridge that come out, and they fly right along the, the river walk where everybody's walking. They almost hit people, and they just go right over your head. And it's a tradition in Austin to go stand there and let the bats almost hit you. And I missed it tonight, but, um, you know, every night, every night of the year. And you don't believe this till you go see it. So there's all kinds of craziness going on in Austin. Um, I want to check out a few. I'm looking for something unique, you know, aside from promoting my own company. I'm always looking for something unique. And, again, I said, I think I've been spoiled somewhat by um, – by Silicon Beach, what's happened there in the last year or two, because almost every business model I see for these new startups here, it's not unique to me. I think, oh, we're doing that. Okay, we're doing that. And so there's not much of that, and but I'm sure I'll find it. So that's one of my goals is to find something extremely, you know, new, innovative, modern way of doing something because you have startups and technology and a lot of stuff we talk about all the time. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, engineering tools companies here this year where they, you know, run Java in the cloud and all kinds of stuff like that because software engineering is such a big deal everywhere now. And there's a lot of um, social, you know, different people. Like there's a company called Close.com that I talked to earlier that, you know, it's a kind of an intimate, more intimate type of Facebook. And But none of those are new. None of those are like, wow, I didn't, nobody thought of that before. Um so, you know, a lot of crowdfunding type things, and I don't know. I don't know where it's all going to go because, you know, there's so I, many. I think, um, is there, I imagine crowdsourcing seems to be getting a lot of buzz. But um, we're running short on time, Tom. On time, Tom. Um, if people want to um, learn more about you and, uh, and Neil Ray, where, where should they look? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Tom Nora. You know, that's one way. Um, and TomNora.com, I have my own website, and it links to my blog and things like that. So those are the best places. And um, and your your um your your weekly weekly startup func- function. Well, there's actually three of them now. There's um, Tuesdays in Santa Monica, Wednesdays downtown LA, and Thursdays in Redondo Beach. So if you look at Meetup.com startup workshops you'll see uh, all those breakfasts. And there, it's, a, it's a, a great group of people, too, and Tom's a great resource on startups, so I encourage you, if you're in the, the Silicon Beach area, to check it out. Tom, it's been a pleasure having you, as always, and um, be sure to check out Tom's blog, and um, definitely um, keep an eye on this company. I think there's a lot of potential there. So, um, Tom, thanks again. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, anybody, reach out to me if you want, and thanks, Ben, and I'll catch you soon. Have a good time. I'll eat some ribs for you. Have a Lone Star on us. (laughs) Okay. Talk to you later, man. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. The SES Conference and Expo is making a springtime stop to New York City, March 25th through the 28th. SES New York 2013 is moving to a brand new venue in the heart of Times Square at the New York Marriott Marquis. Register now at SESConference.com. SES New York 2013 features some of the best and brightest minds in search and social marketing with keynote addresses by top-level executives from Google, Twitter, ESPN, and more. SES New York 2013 will also feature a loaded expo. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. One thing that um, Tom talked a lot about was Silicon Beach. And um, it is um, a thriving area right now. Um, And we actually, there's actually, if you want to get a sense of what's going on in Silicon Beach, there's actually a map. You can go to a website called Represent LA. And um, the website actually has a a great chart that lists um, startups, has like um, almost 700 startups, 15 accelerators, over um, 30 incubators, um, another 30 co-working spaces, investors, consulting, hack spaces, and events. And it um, covers, you know, goes as far west as Thousand Oaks um, in California, um, south down to Long Beach, and all the way east to Fullerton even, or even further out in Diamond Bar. But the heart of it is in the... Um, Venice, Santa Monica, um, West L.A., Culver City area, and then, of course, around Hollywood. And um, you know, what's going on there is this great convergence of technology and content. And that's a lot of what's happening in South by Southwest. You have a music festival that became a film festival, and now is a technology festival, and it's dealing with all of them. So it's an interesting time, and um, you know, so we're going to keep, keep you up to date. Um, this is also one significant update we want to keep you aware of. Um, this week, um, Edith Ramirez became the new chairwoman of the FTC, um, taking over um, from um, a, a very aggressive FTC on privacy um, before. And we'll, so we'll be trying to see what happens um, going forward under the, the Ramirez FTC. I, I think it's going to continue to be, but... Um, under Chairman Leibowitz, he, he definitely set a, 
a number of areas where um, they were really getting aggressive and serious on privacy. Um, I think you know, mobile privacy is going to be a big issue for this current FTC, and so we'll be following that as well. Um, but um, you can look at our blog at um, ilccyberreport.wordpress.com. Um, we have information about um, the, what we may be the, the Ramirez tenure at, at the FTC and what that means. Um, we also have updates on online gambling. Um, New Jersey became the third state to permit online gambling. And um, so we'll have more updates on that. So this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. It's been a pleasure having you again. I want to thank our, our great guests that, um, for their time today. And I uh, look forward to talking to you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.